Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast, where we discuss art, life, and the philosophy behind both. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. Join me as I interview creatives of all kinds as we explore inspiration, process, and results of creative pursuits. My intention is for you, the listener, to get as much inspiration from this podcast as I do. Now let's dive into this concept we call creativity. Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Today on the podcast, I have Haley LaCroix. She's an herbalist, chef, and nutritionist, and she happens to be my fiance. Today on the podcast, we talk about food and health, the energetics of herbalism, and the nature of plant consciousness. So without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome to the Art and Life podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos, and with me today is my lovely and talented fiance, Miss Haley LaCroix. She's a chef, herbalist, nutritionist. Um, yeah, Haley, thanks for coming on the podcast with me. Of course, thanks for having me. Why don't we start out with uh, your personal background, just who you are, where you're from, what you do. Cool. Um, yeah, I come from a really small town in Vermont, really, really little. We didn't even have a post office. And I grew up there, worked with um, food as long as I can remember. I've always started cooking when I was really little, like this play school kitchen. And um, just have always been in the world of food and herbs and making potions and... Um, yeah, I kind of just started when I was little, this whole path and journey of working with what I do now. It's pretty cool to kind of look back at how things begin when you're a child, too, and how they manifest as an adult. Um, how, I, how little? Like, what, what were you doing? I was, well, I was two, and my mom gave me the, pre, the little play school kitchen. And there's a picture of me with just a little tiny shirt on with no bottoms, with my <laughs> butt in the back like the back of my body just like playing with this little plastic kitchen and I remember specifically like pointing at the herbs on the picture and like putting it in my little pot on the stovetop and like being like I want this one and put that in there and um and then going outside and like making like these potions with like you know leaves and water and dust and dirt and stirring them with a stick and sparkles and glitter and anything I could find that I was that I had on hand and um also with a personal background of kind of like my journey with becoming who I am now, I feel like. And um, I grew up with a family. There are six of us. So I grew up with a lot of people, a lot of action, a lot of stuff going on. So I'm very used to close-knit community and stuff happening with those that I love often, and which has also shaped who I am today. And um, yeah, what else? Went to UVM, went to college, got a degree in nutrition and food science. Um, I went from being like really attached to food and like I grew up basically like being honored if we ate uh, 15 rounds of food at the buffet, at the Chinese buffet. <laughs> it was like a big thing how much we could eat and um, my personal journey went from identifying with having you know eating contests with all the boys and generally kicking their ass to 
not being able to consume much food at all um, in the sense of like gluten, gluten and dairy, like the main things that I would eat a lot of in my early or my, you know, late, late teens, early 20s. And so that kind of brought me into wanting to understand, you know, what was going on with my body and diving into food as medicine. And um, I went to all these doctors and they were saying that I was fine. They did all these tests and, you know, didn't feel like I had any problems going on in my system. So I took it upon myself to start understanding and went to school for nutrition. I wanted to know the Western approach and while I was there, I studied um, Chinese medicine and a little bit of Ayurvedic and then um, dove into herbalism and started studying all this alternative health and really resonated with that. And so got my degree, but didn't agree with it. So I continued on this path of alternative medicine and integrate that with what I do now. Anything else? No, that's good. Okay. So you, I mean... Doctors didn't really know what was going on. No. Like, you started having food issues, and they had no idea what was happening. Right. And you were basically needing to be gluten-free, but they didn't even know what that was at that point. No. So, my friends who were in nutrition at the time um, mentioned that they're like, try cutting out wheat. They just said wheat, because they're like, that's been a new discovery that people seem to have problems with. Um, This was way back in, which book was that, 2000 and or so 2006 probably so um yeah they tried they told me to try cutting it out and I went from sleeping you know 13 hour days taking like minimum an hour nap and waking up in this like fog all day like I just felt so disconnected from my body and like out of it all the time to cutting out the wheat products which I realized I was consuming all at every meal I had like English muffins or cereal for breakfast and then um you know, a sandwich for lunch, like pretty much everything had gluten. So once I cut that out, I felt way better. A lot of those symptoms disappeared. And so I realized that there was something to food as medicine and that food really affected my state of being. And so that was like the first introduction to that connection. And everybody doubted me, you know, everybody was like, you know, just trying to think that I was trying to, I don't know, cut out food or I don't really know the whole situation, why they didn't believe me, probably because there weren't many people who had problems. And then I remember meeting one person, my brother's friend, who was a celiac, and he was like, oh, I can't have gluten either. It messes up my gut. And I was like, what? No way. Like another human? Like this is real? Like I'm finally validated, you know? And slowly, like people's doubt started leaving as more and more people started identifying that they were having problems with gluten. And, um, and I just felt like this huge relief of like, oh, I'm not the only person. And like, it was really difficult to navigate for a while. I went through a lot of dep- like severe depression. I, you know, I definitely wasn't open about it at that time, but it really affected my well being. My identity was, had shifted from late night pizza eating and, you know, the camaraderie over this enjoyment of food to not being able to do what I thoroughly enjoyed and identified with. And um, yeah, so it was kind of like this initiation into this like different way of life, like a different path, a different journey and like a self-discovery and like learning how to navigate without identifying with stuff that you are used to identifying with and uh, staying strong within yourself and like believing that the path happens for a reason and um, to trust the unfolding. Now these days you're working with a group of people that have probably gone through something kind of like that Mm -hmm. except with brain injuries right 
Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about that? Definitely. Yeah. It's kind of interesting actually how life has brought me on that path where, um, I had this spark of interest where I wanted to move to California at one point in college or after college and moved to San Diego and, um, was connected with Kevin Pierce, the professional snowboarder who got a traumatic brain injury in 2009 and moved in with him and we really connected. And so his mom asked me to be his caregiver because he you know, needed somebody to help take care of him. And so I started working with him and through that got involved with Love Your Brain, the Love Your Brain Foundation, which um, works with people who have traumatic brain injuries to kind of help get them back on their feet. It's mostly yoga based. It kind of it works with yoga as medicine because Kevin really found that as an outlet for him that helped with his healing. And so um, Adam, his brother, asked me to be the chef for the retreats in particular. So I started. I said yes. You know, I definitely felt like I wanted to help the community and dive into working with them. So throughout the years, I I didn't really understand why I worked with the TBI, the TBI community or why it was coming up so much and. Um, I just kind of trusted that unfolding again. Like I just kind of knew it was for a reason and didn't really ask many questions. And then as it started to unfold, I started realizing that I connected to their stories a lot. And the more that they talked about how they identified with a version of themselves prior to their TBI and then having their TBI happen, they had to rediscover a new version of themselves after. And... I really deeply resonated with that. And it's like this sense of losing a part of your soul. Like it's this sense of um, like something that not a lot of people have, like have to necessarily go through and it feels really isolating and lonely and um, really intense. Um, so I started really relating to their stories and like, and seeing that there were a lot of parallels, a lot of, um, things that I connected to that they were talking about and just started deepening in my compassion for their stories and wanting to help them as much as I could and kind of like going from just being the chef to really being there for them and like wanting to open up more of a support system for them and like trying I'm still trying to navigate what that looks like and you know how the support but for sure yeah yeah that's where it kind of has unfolded with that and so, uh, kind of thinking about you and then your relationship to creativity, I feel like you as a chef is a real spot where your creativity comes out. Like you get to be creative with recipes and, and then I'd say when I talk about you and your, your food and your general approach, what I say is that you take comfort food, like regular things that everybody likes to eat. And, and then other things too. And then you substitute out stuff that isn't healthy, like inflammatories, mm -hmm. um, gluten, dairy, things like that. And then mm. you put in things that are, that are healthy and that are mm. also brain specific and healthy. And I'm really lucky cause I get to eat a lot of your <laughs> creative ideas, which is awesome. <laughs> um, but why don't you talk about like your creative process with being a chef? Um, yeah, I guess I can kind of go back to, yeah, I'll kind of give more of like a background to the whole story of it. Like, so I started out just like loving to cook. Like I always wanted to be in the kitchen with my mom 
And I think that her allowing me to be in the kitchen with her and to kind of move through the, oh shit, that was way too much salt to, and like, oh damn, I forgot that in the oven and I need to pay attention to what I'm doing and all these mistakes early on in my life. It, it allowed me to really start to understand food and understand, um, how to be a chef and like how to put flavors together and what worked and what didn't work. And I started really, I would like dive into my favorite thing actually to make was Rice Krispie treats when I was in high school. And my, I loved doing, I loved playing with the scientific aspect of these Rice Krispie treats where based on the heat, how that would change the outcome and based on the marshmallows for Rice Krispie Rice Krispies ratio, like what was the perfect ratio? Like where was it too thick and crispy and where was it too marshmallowy? And even the butter, like how much butter makes it so like creamy and delicious and like fattening where you just like it melts in your mouth and it tastes so good. And like, you know, I wasn't concerned with health and, and actually no, I, I did love health actually when I was in high school, but it wasn't as much as now. I wasn't really forced to like have it be a t my full complete topic. But so from an early age, I really have been creative in the kitchen and I've loved, um, like asking questions with what I, what I've been making and like, like kind of, um, always improving it. Like I've always been like, how could this be better? Like how could these Rice Krispie treats be, you know, whatever the next level of what I'm looking for and like, what does that take? And, um, so that was like, you know, the kind of the beginning of that creative process and, then in college, I got really into the energetics of food. I took a couple of cooking classes and what was like this like French style cooking class. And the woman just taught us the basics of cooking and like how to cut an onion, how to saute an onion. And that got me more into like um, the technical side of it too. Like, okay, this is how you cook with layers. And this is like the creative process with an understanding of what's happening and why you put these together and how to do that. So that was where that creative process started coming together. Um, what do you mean cook with layers? Like first you saute the onion until it gets to be a certain like um, opaqueness, you know, you like wait until it's like a certain, you get like all the flavors to come out of it. And then you put in the celery and the, you know, carrots or whatever. And like, make sure you salt each layer, like all the things when you're making different dishes that you don't just put it all in at once to cook it. There's like different, you take time, like different layers of, um, ingredients and then but depending on how those cook first like it starts with the first thing that you do even like having the pan hot is really important before putting anything in there so we were we learned you have the pan hot and you put your hand like slightly above it to feel the heat and you need to make sure that's hot first and then you put the, the oil in and then she taught us how to look for the oil streams to make sure that the oil was hot enough and then you put the food in so it's like this there's like so many steps, I guess like there's all the different steps like, um, with cooking that I hadn't, I didn't know prior to that. Yeah. Then I took this Chinese medicine class, which I really loved and that taught me about the energetics of food. So it's like one step beyond just like how we eat as Americans. It was like, no, actually based on how you cook the food and based on the different herbs or spices that you put in there and just like the energy, like if you think of a cucumber, it's really cooling. Versus if you think of like, you know, ginger, it's really warming. Mm -hmm. So if you are looking for a cool dish in the summer, you're going to eat cucumbers. Like you wouldn't naturally go towards ginger in the summertime. But in the winter, ginger, onions, sweet potatoes, like there's certain foods that 
balance our system. So we've learned a lot about the balancing aspects of food and that really opened me up to food as medicine even in a deeper level. Like, wow, this actually impacts you. And depending on the type of like body you have, different foods would be better for other people. So it was like this whole new world of understanding that type of medicine with just the foods that we eat, which is so simple. Um, and then now my creative process is kind of a blend of everything where I'm diving into, you know, working with what I couldn't, what I had to stop eating, like all the comfort foods with all the gluten and the dairy, and then rerouting it into a healthy version that is actually balancing and nourishing and healing for the body. So you get like, I just feel like the heart is huge, like the, the well-being of the heart and the soul, which ignites when you eat soul food and you eat things that are like, you know, what you ate as a child or, you know, um, and so it's a blend of like lighting up your heart and your soul when you eat something that is so nourishing on these levels that you fulfill in certain aspects and then making that healthy so you aren't like detrimenting it's like de not detrimental to your health but instead it's like nourishing and healing um you know and i always say like yeah it's great to eat a kale salad but if you're miserable eating it then what's the point like it's not you know like the nutrients i feel assimilate better if you're happy with what you're eating and what's the point in eating food if you're not happy with it you know it's like really finding that balance of feeling nourishment i think in all levels it kind of creates like a holistic view of really feeling nourished and um yeah i think it's important yeah well and that's the difference between like you can have a meal out at a restaurant that has the same exact ingredients as something at home and it just isn't quite the same mm. and like when you're traveling you know you can have all these meals at different places that are high-end restaurants or nice restaurants and then you you get somewhere and it's like a home-cooked meal and it does something completely yeah, exactly. different to you mm -hmm. yeah that's a cool effect mm -hmm. um i have a quote here it's world famous you know it um but i want your i want you to just talk on that for a second it's by hippocrates mm -hmm. let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food mm. what are your thoughts on that oh my gosh yes i feel like food is the baseline of health that's where we need to start and it can either harm your body or it can heal your body and we have to consume food we can't not eat you know like we have to so it's important to pay attention to what we put in our bodies and if you're eating whole foods, local, organic, you know, like all the kind of like trendy terms right now, but they're trendy for a reason. I think we're shifting into a deeper understanding of that statement of that a lot of diseases can be prevented simply by the food that we put into our body and they can be created simply by the food that we put into our body. And I think, um, you know, people are just starting to really understand that. And I think too, sometimes it can be made, it can be complicated definitely and it can be really confusing and it's nice to have people who can help others navigate it because it can be really overwhelming, especially when things are changing all the time, like all of these diet trends. But there's definitely an underlying consistent theme that I personally have seen throughout time that um, I resonate with that I feel like people can, like a generalized 
diet plan that most people can consume and go with and um and then like tweak it from there to make it more personal but I definitely feel like yeah if you eat right for your body you can prevent a lot of things from happening bad things like disease yeah 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 I've been learning a ton since you and I've been together uh it's it's really cool. I think the food is so interesting because uh, it's an art, and then it's also a science. And there's different types of the science. Like baking is a completely different scientific method than um, cooking on the grill or like sautéing. And um, and then the science of it is really interesting, and you can get down to like really deep down into things. Like I had no idea about. Like gut bacteria mm. until a couple of years ago, really, until you started um, looking or like exposing me to it. Like you, you're on the frontier of a lot of these things, and there's all these new trends coming out all the time, and you you like see them and you you kind of break them down, and um, it's really interesting. I think. What, why don't you talk about like gut bacteria a little bit and that concept if people haven't heard much about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, again, I think Hippocrates, yeah, he, one of his quotes is all disease begins in the gut. And so this has also been understood for, you know, for a long time and we're just becoming a deeper understanding of it in our society. I think, I feel like because we have, we're exposed to so many toxins and so many things that we weren't in the past that our guts are uncertain of how to handle it now. And antibiotics really mess everything up and we're, we've overdone antibiotics. And I feel like um, it's becoming a trend because we need to support our guts more now than we ever have had to in the past. Um, and we're really understanding the importance of it. Like I think because people are having so many problems, we've had to dive into like, okay, you know, what's actually happening here and, and where's the root cause of all of this, all these problems. And we're seeing that the, the body functions as a whole. We can't really say that, you know, if you have a, if you're having, I don't know, brain fog or something that it's just in your brain, we're realizing that everything's connected. And, um, you know, the biggest thing right now is just, is the gut brain connection. And we're seeing that most of the serotonin a lot of the dopamine, most of the neurotransmitters that create happiness and a sense of calm in our brain is actually produced in our gut, which is crazy. And it's like, okay, so if you're, if you've done a ton of, if you've consumed a lot of antibiotics in the past, which completely wipes out all of your gut bacteria, so that's gone. Then you have to re-inoculate with, which essentially means like eating more probiotics, consuming things that are fermented and getting back good bacteria back into your gut to help with the digestive process of everything you're eating, they break down the nutrients. I mean, B vitamins are produced from the bacteria in our guts, which is essential for so many um, things in our bodies. Like we need B vitamins for so much in our system. And if that's from the bacteria and if we take antibiotics and it wipes it out, we're going to be feeling depressed. We're going to be feeling lack of energy, extreme fatigue. B vitamins help hugely with with um energy it's a big a big thing that they produce and so like a lot of us are experiencing so many problems 
and we're realizing that we've just like completely messed up our guts. And so we really have to take time now in this generation to eat ferment, like I said, fermented foods and probiotics, um, and just give that bacteria back in our, in our guts to properly support our bodies. Um, and I really feel like we're just scratching the surface with the scientific evidence of it. I think there's so much to do with the health of our guts and the importance of it. Yeah. Nice. Um, another thing I'm thinking about is, uh, the visual element of food. Mm -hmm. Um, you take a lot of photos of, of the food that you make mm. and I'm always taking photos of it cause it's really beautiful and, um, yeah, I think it's a really cool part of food, how we almost like start the meal by looking at it, Yeah. you know, and then we, and we like start to digest it with our eyes. And when that happens, then there's like a physical response. Our mouth starts to water, you know, our, our digestive juices start flowing. Um, talk about that. Talk about that a little bit. Um, how would I talk about that in particular? Yeah. I mean, I think, who's, what do they say, you like eat with your eyes or something, or something there's something along those lines of like, it's so, I mean, working in, a, I worked in a five-star restaurant at one point, um, a few years back, and the main thing that we, or not the main thing, but a big component of that, of going to a nice restaurant, is how it looks, how it's presented to you, and it's like a balance of like, the art of the food it's like I don't know I almost feel like it's like an honoring of it I feel like it's like when you plate something that's beautiful when you think about the colors that are put together and you think about all the different like components of food it's it creates this like opens your heart you know like it creates this bond with a meal that you're about to consume and I feel like there's um yeah, the digestive juices are happening. You get, aside from like the scientific part of it and the bodily reactions, I feel like it would almost like open up a different space, like a different relationship with the food, which I think is really important. You know, I think that some people feel very disconnected to their meals. And I, you know, if you think about fast food or you think about microwave dinners or like things that don't really have much aesthetic or like a thought process of, what's actually going on to the plate there's such a disconnect there where they don't have the excitement you know and like that that aliveness like if you think about being present and mindful with your meal it just the entire experience is so different and you know i can get into like your nervous system even and how that responds to this um way of way of eating food where like just gather my words um when you're mindful and you're present I feel like I feel like when you have a, a meal that is beautifully put together well thought out and made with love essentially you know or the colors or you know whatever you want to have it be this like enticing um dinner your entire system responds in a way that is more effective for the entire experience of the consumption of the meal. You know, it's like your nervous system settles down and calms 
which is huge for digestion. So it's important to not be feeling stressed and feeling um, disconnected from your meal because when you're feeling stressed, naturally we're not supposed to be consuming food when we feel stressed. Because if you think about it, because the digestive process shuts down or it doesn't work as effectively. You know, if you think about like running from, you know, an animal in the past where you're scared for your life, that's stress. I mean, that's an extreme example, but your body's not going to think about eating when you're nervous that you're not going to survive. It's the last thing it's going to want to do. So if you're relaxed and you're calm, then your body's like, okay, this is a safe place. I can consume food now and I can digest and assimilate all the nutrients. And that's the place you want to be in. Um, and so I feel like when you create a meal, like what you're explaining, it creates a space where you feel grounded and centered and present. And it's just a cascading of positive benefits for your system. Yeah, we went to uh, the restaurant Campfire like a week and a half ago and my parents were here. And I was noticing, and we talked about this, how... Uh, the place is so beautifully put together. The environment's amazing. And then the, the presentation of the food and the food is so good and every single element that's in it mm-hmm. is so sharply done and it's just great. And what that does, it, like to every bite, it's like every bite is a masterpiece, mm-hmm. which like you're saying, like I, I, feel like I feel like time almost like stopped Definitely. when we were in that restaurant because nothing else mattered mm-hmm. we were to- like you said totally relaxed enjoy and like every bite was like wow i'm gonna take a little bit of this flavor and add this little thing here and like put it together and then boom like this experience was happening and like it's making my mouth water right now just thinking about it mm-hmm. and yeah that element that presence it's like it's it's good for your heart your soul it's like it, it and then you carry that into the rest of of your day and your life and like transfer it's like that energy gets transferred into whatever you do. Then. Definitely. You know, like I, I feel like I'm inspired by everything around me all the time. And then it goes into my art. Like the way that I put up a brush stroke on a canvas is influenced by the food that I eat and the way that I eat it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, yeah. And I know the thought that comes up too is like gratitude. You know, I feel like when when you, especially at campfire, when we were eating this meal where every single ingredient was put together with so much thought and you're eating every single bite and you're dissecting it and noticing all the flavors and the textures and how, and you can just feel the love that went into it and you can feel the expertise and like all of that that's put into this meal for us to consume. It just does nothing. I mean, at least if, if, or it just brings up so much gratitude, like every bite, you're just so grateful for the experience that's in your mouth. And like, I think that, um, yeah, it's, it's so important. And, um, yeah, the presence and the gratitude I feel like is a huge component of that. Yeah. And gratitude, like what we've been hearing from a a lot of people and experiencing is like gratitude is this high level frequency of Mm -hmm. emotion, energy, feeling. And when you're feeling grateful, it's, you can only have like one emotion in your heart at one time, but well, I guess I'll say it simply that way that like you can't, you can't be gratitude feeling grateful about this situation and also be like angry or stressed about your day Mm, or something like that. So you can sort of like overhaul your system into like releasing any sort of negative feelings that you're having through a gratitude practice and, and meals are such a great time and place to like 
stop and check in and Mm -hmm. consider what you're grateful for and it can really help like release the stress of the day the stress of whatever any sort of like negative things that you're experiencing definitely and it's important to do that and I think that's where our culture we don't honor that aspect of our meal time you know we just make probably something pretty quick and easy and put on the table sit down and eat and it's done and then we go on to watching our shows and go to bed you know, I think that um, it's really important to pause and to take a to take a minute to check in with your energy. And if it's feeling off and it's feeling stressed and you're not feeling connected with the present moment with your meal, to take a deep breath and to observe that and to clear that out and to really focus on what's in front of us in that moment. And, and to be grateful that we have the ability to eat. I think that a lot of us take it for granted and we overlook you know, the fact that we are able to nourish ourselves in our society and, you know, we have a grocery store five, ten minutes down the road, a lot of us or whoever, you know, it's like... You're talking about, like, how lucky we are to actually be in this, like, we're time so and lucky. place and have these abilities. Yeah, to just be able to go to the grocery store and pick up food and make it. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. And, and to have the finances to do that. Thinking about the rest of the world where people don't have the ability to do what we do. You know, and sometimes it's, I love to sit down and honor the ability to eat the meal and, sh- and because I can and send out love to those who can't, you know, and honoring the fact that like uh, we have the privilege to do that. And I think, you know, it can be taken for granted. Um, and so I think when you sit down with a beautiful meal or when you put energy into something that has a little bit more effort into it. You honor it differently, you know, and I just, I feel like it's just so important. Yeah, and we talked about this at Campfire, and it's, I feel like by by creating a beautiful piece of art, or by creating an amazing meal, or providing an experience uh, where people can really tap into those higher level moments and experiences and feelings, uh, what you're really doing is creating a situation where you're raising people's consciousness level. Mm-hmm. Like you walk in to the restaurant and you, you know, your life is going by, you're talking about business, thinking about whatever you got to do and you're caught up in the future or the past and then you get in there and then like, boom, presence is instilled almost like a meditation or like mm-hmm. a yoga class can do that or you know, there's a, a bunch of different ways you can do it, but, um, by like, that's one thing that we're doing as artists is we're raising people's frequency and mm-hmm. we're bringing them into this present moment. And then we're also t- like taking them into their memories or into their like, uh, just minds of like, you know, how lucky we are or how interesting something is or whatever. Definitely. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about the art of herbalism? You are connected closely with herbalist Rosemary Gladstar. She's passed on a lot of great teachings to you. Um, you've studied with a handful of other people and you, you love herbalism. You love Mm -hmm. the energetics of herbs. I think this is something that a lot of people don't know much about. Mm -hmm. Why don't you go into the art of herbalism? The art of herbalism. Yeah, um, I guess as far as like the art of herbalism, from my perspective, it's more of 
like the spiritual connection with it. And it's more of like the heart space versus the scientific versus the mind. And I think that there's a lot of emphasis on like the allopathic perspective of herbalism where people choose an herb and they say, they're like, oh, this is good for that. You know, they treat it like medicine, like Advil. And herbs have like, for instance, um, say like elderberry is good for immunity, you know, or whatever, like you just, or St. John's Wartport is for depression. Like I think a lot of people can probably connect to that because it's a pretty common one out there. But St. John's Wort has so many more, you know, um, qualities to it than just for depression. And in fact, the way that it heals depression is it brings this like inner joy, this inner light. And if you look at the yellow flowers, like you can look at the signature of St. John's Wort and see how it would ignite this like radiant sun within you because of the um, the signatures, like the doctrine of signatures, the way it looks. And so there's so much more beyond herbalism than what people are connecting to it as. And the art to me is more of that, like more of sitting with the plant, more of this deeper understanding of it being this be this being like, it's a, you know, it's a, uh, it's alive, but there's, they have spirits. They can communicate with us. They have so much to teach us and they're also shifting as we shift, which I think is so cool. There's actually more constituents there's more healing properties that are becoming available as we grow as well and as we're diving more into the herbalism um understanding of everything and like as any like herbalists who have been studying it for a while are saying that more properties are being shown to us um in different ways either through meditations or through like scientific proof that they're kind of growing with us which is pretty cool um and i think just like the deeper connection with the herbs where you know you start to notice an herb, you know, you go to the grocery store and you kind of like, oh, you know, this, like, I don't know, this herb on the shelf as I'm walking through the aisle sticks out and you start asking questions about that. And it's kind of like, you might think that you just notice it, but really in my perspective, I feel like the herb is calling to you to work with it. And like a Rishi, for instance, you know, if you're walking down, you're like, oh, Rishi keeps on popping up in all of these things or whatever. Like I've just been noticing it, but then somebody else might not notice Rishi. They might not even come into their consciousness. And I feel like herbs just have a way of grasping our attention and pulling us in and telling us that, that either, you know, we need to work with it or it's good for our bodies or um, to just to, to start connecting to it. And I feel like that's the magic and the beauty of herbalism in a deeper sense than just looking at it as, you know, this is good for that, like the allopathic way. Um, yeah, is that what kind of you, maybe yeah. what you were thinking? Yeah. Do you, you feel that plants communicate with us, with, with humans and animals? Always. How, what are some ways that they do that? Um, like that, I said, I, I mean, like, I feel like they make themselves known through us starting to recognize them. So they like kind of pop out on shelves or, um, you know, I think if you start to get more into the world of herbalism where you start to sit with plants or you start to, you know, have your own apothecary in your living room or you just do things where you're more surrounded by them, then they will speak to you in different ways to use them. And it just, essentially it's like, 
you just start to notice them. And in one of the trainings that I did with um, plant spirit medicine was to go out and walk around in this garden, in the garden and to just ask what plant wants us to sit with them. And as you walk around, you just notice that like one of the plants seems brighter or maybe like the wind is just like hitting the leaves perfectly where that plant in particular is the only one moving in your vision, you know, or whatever it is. And you, it, you feel this or you just feel this draw to it or it's like, I just feel this, like I want to go spend time with this plant. So you go over and you sit with it and then you at, you treat it like a human and you ask it permission to sit with it Um and then from there you open your heart and you tune into it and there's this, you know, you just spend time with it. And from there, if the plant decides to give you information on its medicine, it will. Like I've definitely had a lot of crazy experiences with plants where I understand their medicine on a very deep level, both viscerally because I felt it and um, through like my mind's eye, like I could see what the plant was good for or not, you know, or what it would like help us with and without cognitively having any awareness of what, of that, that's what it was for. And so I think that like on that deeper level by spending time with them, they will teach us that their medicine and they will help us, um, without having to ingest them. And just by giving them space to be heard, you know, I think that there's such a high level of consciousness and we don't give them enough credit just because they can't, like outwardly make noise and because they can't like communicate to us like how we're used to it doesn't mean that they're co- not constantly communicating to us all the time um and in the book uh what is that book the oh, not the language of plants i forget what it is but that experiment where this guy had a plant in one room and oh, what was it I can't remember, but it was like, they had two plants. Like one plant was in one room. I think the other plant was in the other room. And, oh no, I don't remember that one. But another experiment was this guy was really into how plants can communicate and how they can like feel our vibration and tune into us. So he put up, he put these electrodes on the plant to read what the frequencies of the, you know, the electromagnetic frequencies and stuff that was coming out of it. So he hooked it up and he wanted to see if it would respond to pain. So he took a lighter and was pretending to light the leaf and the plant didn't respond at all. And he also like squeezed the leaf, like crumpled it up and did all of these things and the plant barely even did anything. So he was like, huh, that was interesting that like, ugh, I'm happy. I have this completely wrong, but along these lines of where he wanted to see how plants were communicating and how they are interacting with us and prove it scientifically that like they're actually living beings and they are responding to human action. And eventually what came out was the plant would respond to the intention of the human. So when he thought about burning the leaf with the intention of doing it, the, the graph would go crazy showing that the plant was sending out stress signals. Like this is thinking it was going to happen. Um, but when the intention wasn't pure and he was like trying to like hurt the leaf or whatever, or, or pretend to do it, the plant didn't respond to it cause it, you know, it knew it wasn't going to do anything. So I think that my butchered response or my butchered like explanation of this experiment gives an idea of like that actually plants are way more intelligent and in tune to us than we 
even realize. And the fact that they actually pick up on our intention is pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, and another way that they communicate or that we can like cohabitate with them and like create with plants is we, if you put your mouth just over the leaf, they observe this in monkeys where they would go up to a plant, put their mouth over the plant they're about to consume and just breathe on it essentially and then leave. And the next day they would come back and consume it. So they were wondering why they were doing that. Like, why are they, you know, why are they doing this? And they found out that the plant will actually change its nutrients that are available based on the person or the animal or whatever that's connecting to it. So if you want to, you know, eat a tomato from your garden and you go up to it one day and you breathe on it and you sit with it and you kind of just allow it to pick up your personal body and what's happening in your system. The next day you go back and you pick the tomato that will be specifically, that'll change specifically for what your body needs. You can also do that with seeds too. You can, you can put a seed in your mouth before you plant the plant and the makeup of the plant will be different because you put that in your mouth and it need it and it will you know provide different nutrients than it would if I were to put it in my mouth because my body would need something differently than yours so you can personalize your plants and what they and how they can help you so we can be the healthiest versions of ourselves and um yeah that's wild it's wild it's so wild it's really interesting to think about all the things that could be going on that we have no way of really like testing for right now. Yeah. That's just like above our level. And the common conception is that plants are just decoration in a lot of ways. They don't move. They're just there. They provide shade or they provide nutrients, but that's it. And that we are these like high level beings. Oh yeah. And it's, really interesting to think that like what if that's totally wrong it's totally wrong like what if plants are way more conscious in ways that we just have no idea about like we just can't pick up the frequency of what they're putting out or something like that oh they're way more conscious than we will ever be way more and they're gonna i mean another example too is like we need plants right Right. mother earth doesn't give a fuck about humans in fact (laughs) we're the parasite and therefore plants would survive way better if we weren't here we're messing everything up they're totally able to adapt to all circumstances i mean there's been some things that have been around forever because they've been able to adapt to all these harsh conditions and um like ginkgo trees have been around for forever um i think they even survived a bunch of radioactive stuff and wow yeah they're just amazing i i just no, we're never going to match up to the intelligence of plants or the consciousness level. No way. Far beyond us. <laughs> yeah. But it's also why we feel so good in nature. Right. You know, it's like when you go into the middle of the forest or you are out away from the electromagnetic frequency of cell phones and towers and buildings and, you know, everything else. That's why we feel so good because they're pure consciousness and the air obviously is fresh because of all the oxygen and everything. And aside from that, it's just being in that level, that frequency is the best, the highest frequency. I feel like we can be around right in our surroundings. Well, and 
you know, the, the whole concept of forest bathing is happening. Mm-hmm. And it's being, like, confirmed by scientific studies that, yes, like, forest bathing is good for people. Yeah. And the common response from most people is, like, yeah, no shit. Right. But, um, but I guess it, it almost is, I feel like it's something that we all take for granted that, like, of course nature is good for you. Mm-hmm. But we don't exactly understand, like, the bigger system of what's going on and, like, mm-hmm. how connected we really are and on what levels. And, um, you know, talking about, like, the consciousness of plants versus intelligence and our consciousness and intelligence, like, it's really an interesting thing to think about, like, what like what really is consciousness mm-hmm. and, right. like, what what are the levels of it and how does it all work? And like that's the stuff that I think a lot of people get so caught up in science in ways of like if it's not proven, then it's not true. Totally. Um, but there's so much that we just like have like mm-hmm. we're not oh, yeah. cognizant of, so we have and we have no ways of really testing. So, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not happening all around us all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, it feels really good to be in a room full of plants. Yeah. And it feels good in a, on a level that's sort of, you can't really explain. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that what's funny or interesting is a lot of times a concept will come out from somebody who's like, quote unquote, crazy at some point, And um, they're usually just really far ahead of science and far ahead of society and then generally I think like the time frame for science to catch up to these ideas that are crazy are is like 10 years so it's like as a society as a whole we could move a lot faster if we trusted in more of the unknown and more of the unexplained and um, more of those questioning ideas that people are kind of like tapping into and diving into it's nice to have the scientific proof because we do need that on many levels. Um, but it takes a long time to prove that. And so I think that with this, like the slow, you know, um, effect of scientific proof, it keeps us moving slowly with a lot of the shifting that could actually happen. And the trusting and exactly like finding the beauty in the unknown and and not necessarily have to, having to explain it or prove it either. Like if you feel... If you feel good in the middle of a room of plants, like fill your room with plants. Yeah. Like you don't well, actually know why. Yeah, and I mean you're saying that if people trusted it more before it was validated, that would be one way of doing it. And maybe it wouldn't even be it doesn't need to be trusting. It just needs to be an open mindedness mm-hmm. to like this could potentially be going on. Mm-hmm. So let's keep an o- open mind to it. Yeah, it, it might sound wild and outlandish, mm-hmm. but like all the ideas <laughs> that come to, into being mm-hmm. sound nuts. Like, right. yeah, you tell someone 50 years ago that we're all going to have little computers in our pockets where we can call across the world right. and connect to the internet and download images. Like, uh-huh. that's insane. Yeah. But now it's real. Right. And everyone's just like, yeah, of course, because science created it. Right. And art, it's cool because art is a similar way where, like, mm-hmm. art, artists, writers, creatives, like, visionaries, they're all creating the world. Mm-hmm. Like, 
10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years before mm-hmm. it can actually be created. And like, like science fiction is total, yeah. you know, a bunch of like crazy stuff until it becomes real. And then we're like, oh, wait, cars can drive themselves. Yeah, right. <laughs> totally. And it came from someone's mind. Definitely. Um, one question I want to ask you is, um, well, you're my partner and I'm an artist and, uh, we sort of live these lives that are, I guess, like out there a little bit. I guess I'd just want to have, you know, hear what you have to say about like being with an artist and what that's like, um, you know, like following my ideas and like entertaining my thoughts (laughs) and whatnot. Um, how is it being with an artist? Um, let's see. I think it's just, it's different, you know? And I think a lot of times some of our arguments or disagreements happen because you function differently than most humans. And most humans that I'm used to, you know, I'm used to, especially as a male, I'm used to men who are more focused on maybe the quote-unquote like societal masculine role where they go to work, they bring in, you know, whatever. Like they have this like different approach to life. And generally I'm the one who's like, let's go with the flow and see where life takes us. And like, da-da-da-da. And like, you know, here today, gone tomorrow, not sure what my plan is and kind of just floating and like being in that space of trust Um, which generally I think can be seen as more of a feminine aspect or a feminine quality, but you bring that aspect to our relationship as the male, because I feel like, because you live in a different space, like I feel like you're in a different realm of existence and the creative space isn't linear. Like you're not in this, you know, the same space as, as people in society. Like you live in a completely different world. So, um, it's definitely a challenge because we both live in that space. We're both visionaries, creatives, um, and it's, you know, a balance between like, who's going to take the role of making the plan and having it be in a timely manner of like showing up on time and like making that choice to not just go with the flow and like maybe show up three hours later, or maybe, maybe we won't show up at all and maybe we'll go tomorrow or who the fuck knows if that's ever going to happen. Um, So for me, it's been frustrating because I, that's not my natural way of being necessarily. Um, but it's also been a growth for me. It's been good to have me have that. It's good. It's been a good challenge for me. Um, and I'm sure my family appreciates it because now I make plans when I go home and I understand the importance of that and make, you know, like I've shifted a lot in ways that you have provided for me that I wouldn't have guessed would happen. Um, and I love, I love being with an artist, especially you, because you come from a space of love with your art you really see the beauty in the world and you show me more of the beauty in the world that I'm not aware of and, or that I wouldn't necessarily, that I just wouldn't, that I, I wouldn't just necessarily notice. I don't look around and see things the same way you do. I just don't. So it's been really nice to have, um, such a shift in perspective of, the simple things in life that are beautiful and artistic and 
um, like a deeper sense of appreciation for the small things. So it's been, you know, it's been a really beautiful unfolding and, um, Nice. Um, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so I guess we're kind of getting down to the end of it. Um, now, if people want to follow you, where would where would they follow you online? Follow your food creations, follow the things you have going. Um, on my Instagram, I pretty much just have Instagram, sometimes Facebook, but not really. So... Haley, Haley.lacroix, so it's H-A-Y-L-E-E dot LaCroix, like the Wata, um, is my, I know you want that last name, um, is my Instagram, and then my other one is the Alchemical Herbalist, um, T-H-E-A-L-C-H-E-M-I-C-A-L-H-E-R-B-A-L-I-S-T, that's more of like my business account that I'm doing different stuff on there so either one's a blend personal and business nice um yeah everybody follow her check out what's uh being made over there and uh Haley, i want to take this opportunity this is where i acknowledge my guest and i acknowledge you for your pursuit of perfection and your pursuit of your craft and the way that you go after things until you have it right you know your your um your recipes your creations your your tea blends everything your chocolate um and i've watched your chocolate get better throughout the years and now it's like i can't really find one on the shelves that's as good and so it all comes from this element in you that i think is really powerful so Mm-hmm. it's inspiring and it's definitely infused into my artwork as well mm-hmm. sweet of you. <laughs> is there anything else you want to say to the people just keep keep trucking along I think trusting the process the unfolding everything is for a bigger reason even if we don't feel like it is in the moment and trusting your crazy thoughts that nobody agrees with because those are also for a reason and go with it love life <laughs> that's perfect well Haley thanks for being on the podcast thanks for having me alright bye so that was Haley LaCroix chef herbalist nutritionist my fiance follow her at Haley.LaCroix and at the alchemical herbalist on instagram i thought that was a great episode uh i especially liked when we got into the plant consciousness stuff at the end that really um is interesting to me in a lot of different ways and i i hope you felt the same way uh feel free to reach out uh i'm at taylor gallegos art on instagram Feel free to DM me about the episode with any questions or comments. Um, also, feel free to send me stuff on what you're going through, what you're what you're doing creatively. I'm very interested to hear um, all the different things that everyone's doing out there. So, don't hold back. 
And again, Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Now go out there and get creative in your own special way.